Let us pray. So, Father, we do indeed ask that our lives would be fully and wholly consecrated to you and that you would continue your good and gracious work in us, conforming us to the image of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning, everyone. Good to see all of you here this morning. And um, had a little drizzle as I walked in very early this morning, but it looks like the sun's out and it's another beautiful fall day. Enjoying some cooler weather. I don't know about all of you, but um, I like fall. So till the leaves all come down. <laughs> um, you may have noticed Deacon Julie is not here today, and I would ask you to be praying for her. Um, she was actually visiting one of our members in the hospital yesterday who had taken a, our member had taken a fall and experienced some facial fractures and um, Deacon Julie was visiting her and as Deacon Julie was leaving Centara Hospital yesterday, her heel caught on something and she fell and um, hit her face. She's got a very large black eye and bruised face and also required stitches on the inside of her mouth where her teeth cut her lips. So she is at home very sore and recuperating this morning. So please continue to um, uphold her in prayer if you would. I invite you to take out your Bibles or devices this morning, and we're looking at 2 Corinthians, the 8th chapter, our New Testament reading this morning, continuing with our focus on stewardship. As we saw last Sunday in Luke chapter 12, stewardship encompasses much more than money. When we hear the word stewardship, so often our mind immediately or firstly goes to money, and that's simply not an accurate or comprehensive picture of stewardship. Because faithful biblical stewardship is about a life fully submitted to God and aligned with the priorities of his eternal kingdom. We were also reminded again last Sunday of what St. Paul wrote to the Ephesians, how each of us is entrusted as a steward of the grace that has been given to us. Ephesians chapter 3, that God has made us stewards of that grace that he's giving us. I want to continue today by looking at the beautiful example of the churches in 2 Corinthians 8, the churches in Macedonia. These were churches that were subject to significant persecution, being ostracized and consequently experiencing severe poverty. As our reading this morning says, they experienced extreme poverty. And here in today's New Testament reading, these Macedonian believers are upheld to the Corinthian believers as a challenging example to the church at Corinth and also by virtue of God's word as a challenge to you and me as well. And St. Paul points out to the Corinthian church that they, the Corinthians, excel spiritually in many ways. Look at verse 7 of chapter 8 with me. But you, as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you. See that you excel in this act of grace also. See that you excel in this act of grace, this, this act of, of giving. So what we see here clearly is that the act of giving is both by God's grace. Did you hear that? Giving is by God's grace. And giving is also a gracious response to God's grace, which has been given to us. So what principles can we learn from this portion of 2 Corinthians and the example 
of the Macedonians for our lives? Well, there are four principles that we see in this text that I want to focus on this morning. And the first one is this. Grace is a, or excuse me, giving is a grace-filled response to grace received. Let me repeat that. Giving is a grace-filled response to grace received. Verse 1 emphasizes the same point as verse 7 does in 2 Corinthians 8, just in a slightly different way, because here in verse 1, the focus is on the Macedonian believers. They're giving, these Macedonian believers, their giving is indeed a grace-filled response to God's grace, which they have received. God's grace given to them and God's grace given to every single one of us who truly believes. And this grace that God gives is free, yet it is incredibly costly. Don't ever make the mistake to um, equate free grace with something that is cheap because God's grace is anything but that. Because God's grace is sacrificial. It required Jesus Christ, the eternal son of God, to willingly lay down his life for us, for you and me. And this shows us exactly what our response to grace received should be. If we do indeed in some measure grasp the depth of God's grace, it can never be fully comprehended by the finite human mind. But if we grasp it at least in part, the magnitude of what God has done and what God has given on our behalf should challenge us and inspire us to be faithful stewards because we recognize just how costly this grace that we have received is to God. And our response should be one of willing sacrifice. I think there are several passages that we've looked at or mentioned in my sermons in recent weeks that merit re-emphasizing here. The first one is Philippians chapter, from Philippians chapter 2. And as we read this, bear in mind that the church in Philippi was one of the Macedonian churches. It was one of these churches experiencing extreme poverty. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interest of others. Have this in mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And then in the prologue to St. John's Gospel in John chapter 1, we read this. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glories of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace grace. When we begin to grasp the magnitude of God's costly grace extended to us through Jesus Christ, our hearts and lives will supernaturally be filled with awe, wonder, praise, gratefulness, and a grace-filled response to such abundant and amazing grace. 
and our surrender will be one of joy and not one of, that's a burden. Our heart's desire will be to continue aligning the entirety of our lives with the heart, mind, and will of God. And as we grow in being ever more trustworthy stewards of the grace entrusted to us, we will live into this more fully day by day. Second, giving is not contingent upon wealth. Let me repeat that. Giving is not contingent upon one's wealth. It's very important that we understand this. Look at the language in verses 2 and 3 with me. These Macedonian believers, they were in a severe test of affliction. Because of the fidelity to the gospel, they had been ostracized. They'd been pushed to the margins in their community. It was very difficult for them to obtain or secure lasting employment. And they were in extreme poverty. And yet we read, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity. They gave out of extreme poverty based on what they had and even beyond their means because they allowed God to stretch them and trusted God as their supply as they were faithful to his, the gospel of Christ and fidelity to Christ's kingdom. They, give, they gave of their own accord. They gave willingly out of obedience and love, not because of coercion and not because of responding to an emotional appeal. Far too many people in our culture and in the church world take the approach that they will give to God's work or they will give more to God's work or they will begin tithing when they reach a certain point with their income or expenses. When I get my new job, when I get my next cost of living allowance, when I get my next raise, when my kids finish travel team for soccer, when I get my car paid off, when my kids graduate from college, when I retire and start drawing from my IRA and my retirement plan, and I could go on and on and on and on. The reality of this is that you can't keep kicking the can down the road. And the reality also is that multiple studies through the years have shown consistently that in general, obviously there are exceptions to this, the wealthier people are, the less of a percentage of their giving, the less of a percentage of their income they give to the Lord's work or to charity. This way of thinking that we're talking about here is not God's way because it does not reflect giving either as a biblical discipline or is a gracious response to grace that has been received. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, again, writing to the Corinthian church, St. Paul says this. Now concerning the collection of the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so you also are to do. On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up, as he may prosper, so that there will be no collecting when I come. When we look at this coupled with our scripture readings from this morning, we see a number of things. First of all, that giving is intentional. It is planned. It is prayerful and faith-filled. Giving is systematic. On the first day of the week, each of you should set aside a portion. Another thing we see is that 
giving is defined, that portion is defined as a tithe, as 10%. We see that here. We see that in our Old Testament reading from Malachi today where the Lord says, test me in this. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Our giving is also an integral part of worship. Do we understand that? That when we give, it is part of our worship of God? And faithful stewardship in giving, and stewardship here encompasses all of our being, not just our finances. Faithful stewardship, including giving, is a spiritual discipline. It's a discipline just like prayer and scripture reading and community worship and serving that must be incorporated into our lives as Christians. It's part of a God-ordered life, if you will. I want to talk about some principles of giving. The first principle is this. We need to start with understanding that it is all God's. Everything that we have is his. Scripture affirms this time and time again. The the prayer that we pray at the doxology every Sunday in the Eucharist acknowledges that all that we have comes from the Lord. And God calls us to give a minimum of 10%, a tithe, and that's how scripture defines it, to him. But do you realize that means that God is saying, I'm entrusting you with the other 90%? Doesn't mean that we hold it back from the work of the Lord, but, but God is entrusting us with the 90%. And that 90%, and this is something you will never know until you begin tithing yourself. You will find that in God's economy, and it's a supernatural thing, that 90%, or even less if we sow even further into the Lord's work, but that 90% will go further than 100% approached from a worldly perspective. Amen. It is true. It is true. Giving is not based on emotions or feelings or somebody wrenching an emotional appeal out of us. It is something we do out of love and out of discipline as a Christian because it is an integral part of our spiritual growth and discipleship and formation as believers. Along with what I said about not waiting until we get the next raise or this or that, I want to speak to parents and I want to speak to our youth. It is important to build this discipline into our lives at the earliest age possible. And I'm not patting myself on the back, but I remember when I came to the Lord in high school and I had just a couple little part-time jobs. It wasn't much, but I remember I was excited to be able to start tithing. And that was something God did in my heart. But I want to say to our youth, if you've got income, you need to be setting some of it aside. You need to be tithing to the Lord. It doesn't work to wait until you finish college and we go down that road again and until I do this or when I get to this point. It's something we just need to begin doing. And parents, I would encourage you to do this even with your young children, to inculcate in them this godly understanding of how to handle our finances. Tim and I are far from perfect parents, so please... I'm not putting myself on a pedestal, but something we've done since Eliana was very little, we have four jars in her bedroom. They'll have lids on them, and one is marked tithe. The second one is marked give. The third one is marked save. And the fourth one is marked spend. And from when she was very little, even if grandma gave her $5 or someone gave her, someone gave her $10, the dollar right off the top goes into tithe. 
And then we talk about how much you're going to put into giving. And we do things with giving like we take her to the grocery store with that money and let her buy a couple cans of corn for the food giveaway or, or something like that. And then saving, helping to build that discipline of being a responsible steward and how we handle our money in our lives. And then the, the, the last portion is spending with some guidance from dad and mom. We don't just cut her loose in Walmart's toy department, but, but you can't start too early in establishing these godly principles and disciplines of spending in the lives of our children. Third, giving is a God-ordained privilege. Look at verse four. Begging us earnestly, this is what the Macedonians were doing, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. God will give us joy in giving, especially and those of you who experience this know this, when it involves stretching in faith beyond our means in the natural that demonstrates both trust in him and a confession that all that we have is his and comes from him and ultimately is his in the end. Do we really see giving to the Lord's work? Do we see giving to the Lord as a privilege? Donald Whitney and his book, The Spirit of the Disciplines, gives an example that I'm going to borrow from because he talks about stewardship, not just money, but the stewardship of our lives as a spiritual discipline. But he talks about this. So if I came home on Valentine's Day with a dozen red roses behind my back and I pulled them out and gave them to Tammy and, and she said, oh, they're beautiful. Thank you. You shouldn't have spent so much money. If my response is this, don't mention it. Today's Valentine's Day and as your husband. It's my duty to get you a gift. How do you think she would feel? I do have a shed out back. <laughs> um, but think about if I said something to the effect of there's nothing I'd rather do with my money than use it for you because I love you so much. You see the difference there? And my question is, which way do we treat God in our giving and sowing into his kingdom? Because giving is indeed a privilege afforded to us by God as his children. Then fourth, giving requires right priorities. Verse five, they gave themselves first to the Lord. They gave themselves first to the Lord to the Lord. This is the beginning and the ending point of it all. Obedient, systematic giving, systematic stewardship, tithing, sacrificial, trust-filled giving begins right here by giving ourselves, not just our finances, because finances, as I said a few weeks ago, are an indicator of the heart. Remember, follow the money we talked about? It's about giving ourselves First to the Lord. If loving fidelity and obedience to our Lord is our first priority, everything else in our lives will align accordingly. Matthew 6.33, the words of Jesus, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. 
this must be the starting point. point. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Are we giving ourselves first to the Lord? What does that mean in my life? What does that mean in your life? How is God speaking to us to do that in even greater measure? How is God speaking to you today and showing you how this needs to be more fully applied in your life? Are we responding to the grace, the incredible grace of God that's been given to us with hearts filled with love and gratefulness and thanksgiving? Where we see faithful stewardship in every area of our lives as a joy rather than a burden? And is giving ourselves first to the Lord demonstrated in a life of rightly ordered priorities? Priorities which reflect the priorities of Christ's kingdom in every area of our lives. Again, ultimately, stewardship is not about money. It's much bigger than that. Stewardship must be viewed comprehensively. And you'll hear me say that forever as long as I'm rector here because the financial piece is an outcome of our understanding of being faithful stewards of the grace which God has entrusted to us. Stewardship begins by giving first of ourselves to the Lord. Time with God, time in his word, time in prayer, in faithful service, and in trusting him with our finances and tithing. So that all that we are and all that we have is aligned with God and his will and his heart and his plan. Next Sunday is our Pledge Sunday here at All Saints Church. And what that will look like is that we will have pledge cards and I would, the, the ushers, I forgot to ask the ushers, second service here, but ushers, if you would pass those out in just a moment, they're in the box over on the, the table back here. And um, I would ask that um, each individual or, or couple take those. And I would ask, even if you have other family members who have income, you thought that you take your own pledge card and don't put anything on it today. What we want to do, I want to ask you to pray. I want you to sit down as a couple, sit down as a family and pray together and ask God what he would have you to do and how he would um, perhaps even stretch you this year. And then we'll come back together next Sunday during both services and we will have a time set aside to lay those cards on the altar as an act of worship. Yes, we'll accept pledges through the end of the year and I, some of you wait, but I think there is tremendous benefit in physically and tangibly placing those cards on the altar as an act of worship to the Lord. So we will do that next Sunday. And I'm gonna ask our ushers if you would to distribute those um, now. Go ahead and do that. Again, I apologize. I forgot, walked in and forgot to give you a heads up on that. And then I'd like to conclude with prayer. Let us pray. Father, thank you for your salvation. Thank you for the incredible grace which you have extended to us. And I ask, Father, that you would make us faithful stewards of the grace entrusted to us. And Lord, that you would work in our lives, in our families, in the life of this church. So that we would make your kingdom priorities first. That, Lord, we would 
give ourselves first to you, first to the Lord. And then out of that, that we would walk and trust you and serve you in faithful obedience. But show us in the days to come exactly what you would have us to do with this and not just with our finances, but what you were calling us to as families in terms of faithful stewardship and trusting you as we move forward into your work in the days ahead. Lord, stretch our faith. May we, Lord, in a truly scriptural way, as Malachi says, test you in this and watch as you do your good and gracious work among us. And we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen.